Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. From opening weekend all the way through Omaha, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into Dinger Derby, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick, and I am here to talk about that Round Rock Classic and your Texas Tech Red Raiders. It's Sunday night. I just watched Brian Klein walk off that third game against the University of Houston Cougars, but let's dive into what the weekend looked like for Texas Tech, talk a little bit about that, and we'll look ahead to the midweek series. It's a two-gamer hosting the Southern University Jaguars. Well, things didn't go the Red Raiders' way on Friday night as they faced the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee was always going to be the biggest test of the weekend for Texas Tech. We thought it would be because Garrett Crochet, Tennessee's potential top 10 Major League Baseball draft pick, would be on the bump against Texas Tech, but he's been working slowly back from arm soreness, and we didn't see him, but they didn't seem to miss him much as Chad Dallas, a junior college transfer from Texas, for the Volunteers got the start on Friday. He had a really nice night for Tennessee, who was the home team. He went five innings pitched, five hits, two runs, two walks, and eight Ks against Texas Tech. Didn't have a lot of mistakes. And then his relief, Sean Hunley, looked pretty good as well. He went four innings pitched, only one hit, no runs, two walks, and five Ks. Texas Tech just could not get the bats going, and I know you fans of Red Raider baseball out there, you know exactly why. It was cold. The weather wasn't fantastic. It wasn't pretty by any means. It wasn't dirty and raining like it was in Frisco last year, but just a cold night in Round Rock and not an enjoyable place to be. It was actually warmer in Lubbock than it was down there in Central Texas. So Texas Tech struggles throughout that entire game. You only obviously scratch across two runs. Braxton Fulford led off the second inning with a stand-up double, and he's brought home by Cal Conley on a fielder's choice. And then otherwise, it's Dylan Noisy with a leadoff single in the fourth. He moves around on a pass ball, then steals third, and he's brought home on a Nate Rombach flyout to center field. So ultimately, at the end of the day, you get a sack fly, you kind of a little bit of situational hitting, but the Red Raiders just not able to get anything strung together. Braxton Fulford's your only player who ends up with a multi-hit night with that double I mentioned, and then he had a single, a two-out single in the fourth inning. But really, Texas Tech just struggling all the way across the board, could not get anything going, really just not a great night. As you look across the weekend, Brian Klein went 0 for 12 before he stepped up to the plate in the final at bat of the 10th inning of the third game. We'll get to that in a minute, but really a rough weekend for the senior leader. And you know Brian Klein's got to be frustrated with himself. And he's been around long enough to know he just keep playing through that. And uh, you know he has his ways of, of keeping himself focused and positive. But goodness, it was a rough one for him. On the other side, for the Volunteers, they started off hot against your starter, Clayton Beater. He struck out the first batter. It was the second baseman, Max Ferguson. Then Zach Daniels, the DH, smacks a hard-hit curving ball into right field. Drew Baker lays out for it, much like he did on opening weekend in a play that got reviewed and upheld. 
but he misses the ball and it goes back into the corner. So it's off to the races for Daniels. He comes into third with what was basically a stand-up triple. And after a hesitation continues to run because the relay throw in from Baker due to some sort of miscommunication isn't touched by either Conley or Klein. And so he makes his way home. Now, for some reason, the official scorekeeper scored it an inside the park home run. I would disagree. I think it was a triple advanced by a throwing error or a fielding error. I guess by the letter of the law, it's not actually an error. Nobody touched the ball. Nobody made an incorrect play. It was just an incorrect judgment. One of those weird things in baseball that doesn't get scored that way. They had another walk by Evan Russell, a two-out walk, and then Jordan Beck with a two-run bomb in the first inning. So Tennessee led it 3 nothing almost immediately. Tech closed it in the third to a two-run lead, but then Tennessee comes right back with a one-run shot by Jake Rucker, the third baseman. And Tech just not able to get any closer. They do score their second run in the fourth to make things a little bit tighter, but otherwise not able to come back. And then a couple of insurance runs later on, and the Vols have it sealed up. John McMillan and Kurt Wilson both came in for two innings apiece in relief of Clayton Beater. Did a nice job, but Texas Tech just not able to offer the run support. It'll be Clayton Beater's first loss of the weekend as the Red Raiders fall 6-2. to two. Frustrating start to what otherwise is going to be a great weekend for Tech. You wish they could have done a little bit better there, but uh, it's the first time they had looked at real pitching. Uh, I would argue, after their opening series, and I think that was a little bit of a shock and just not able to string together consistent hits in a row. Not something they had a problem with later on. Tech walks into Saturday against Stanford. Now, Stanford, 1-4 coming into the game. The Cardinal really struggling. Lots of young players, lots of errors, and we would see just one from them in the Tech game. But on the Sunday game for Stanford, they gave up five errors to the Tennessee Volunteers and really gave Tennessee the win. Stanford had the lead. Tennessee had to come from behind and the errors made that possible. So Texas Tech gets to things quickly. Cole Stilwell with a solo home run in the first inning. That's a two-out shot to left field. And then the Red Raiders able to scratch across runs consistently through the rest of the game. Dylan Noisy has a one-out double. He's advanced to third on a wild pitch and Braxton Fulford with a sacrifice fly to bring him home in the second. Later on, it's Nate Rombach, who works a walk, advances to second on a wild pitch. He's moved around by Dylan Noisy and then ultimately comes home unearned on an E5. And then it was the seventh inning that was the big story for Texas Tech as Drew Baker leads things off with a single to right field. Jace Young comes in and has an RBI triple to left and then Cole Stilwell with an RBI single to left. And you have three runs scored quickly and then a final insurance run in the Eighth inning, Cal Conley with a leadoff double, and he ultimately comes around to score. Pitching, definitely a little bit stronger on that Saturday game versus the Cardinal. Bryce Bonin goes five innings pitched, four hits, two runs, one walk. He has nine Ks. That was all in 91 pitches. He earns his second win of the season, and Micah Dallas earns his second save. He goes four innings pitched, two hits, no runs or walks, six Ks, all in 58 pitches. Micah Dallas bringing the fire. You got to love the tenacity, the excitement that he brings to the mound. Has that attitude out there and did a really nice job for Tech. Bryce Bonin as well. Bonin made the heat sheet for D1 baseball. He bumped 96 
on the evening and had a really nice mix of pitches coming across for Texas Tech. I believe Beater also made the heat sheet for Tech. That was two starters in a row that hit 96 or above. And then you look at the Cardinal on Saturday night, it was kind of deja vu all over again for Bryce Bonin, who had a strikeout, then gave up a solo home run in his start in opening weekend, but then shut him down for the rest of his time on the bump. Same thing, a strikeout and then a walk and gave up a two-run shot to the shortstop, Tim Tawa. But ultimately, Bonin really settled in, did a nice job the rest of the way, only had a couple of other base runners throughout, only gave up one extra base hit. Other than the home run, you only had one runner the rest of the game for Stanford get past second base. And then, as I said, a great job by Dallas. Walking into the Sunday game, you're playing the Houston Cougars. They're two and three on the season. They are one and one on the weekend and looking, you know, in this kind of a rubber match game, you have two teams looking to get a winning record on the weekend. And it was a slugfest, just a dogfight all the way through. Austin Becker gets the start. He is not as sharp as we saw him in opening weekend. He goes four innings pitch, three hits, two runs, three walks, only two Ks. Really struggled to get those strikeouts, 82 pitches for him. But then Hunter Dobbins comes in for an inning. He bumps 94. Brustowski gets up to 96-97. Ryan Sublette gets up to 96-97. And Andrew Devine bumps 95. And they do a great job by committee as a bullpen all the way through for the Red Raiders. Andrew Devine actually ends up getting the win, his first. It's his second outing as a Red Raider. The freshman goes in there and strikes out the first two batters he sees in the 10th and then gets a a slow roller back to him that he fields and throws to first. Gets a little help from Stillwell, a little stretch up off the bag, but a nice job all the way around. The Cougars scratch across their first run, their first batter of the game, It's their center fielder who is hit by a pitch and then works his way around on a stolen base and a pass ball and gets scored on a ground out by the second baseman. They don't see another base runner until the second. They have base runners in the third, and it's Becker continuing to work out of trouble. He gives up another run in the fourth. Tech trails 2-1 at that point, but then nothing doing the rest of the way for the Cougars, and it was much of the same for the Red Raiders. Drew Baker with a... First pitch, first at bat, leadoff, solo home run. Jace Young is robbed of a base hit by a beautiful forward diving catch by the left fielder of the Cougars. And then you don't see much more action until Dylan Noisy leads off with a triple in the fifth inning. A stand-up triple, his first of the season. He had eight three-baggers last year, if you recall. And then it's Tanner Otrimba, who got the start in left field on Sunday, that then scores Noisy with the RBI ground out. Tech struggling as well. They really stranded quite a few batters, I believe eight on the day. They stranded three in the six. They had worked bases loaded, had a pitching change there, and then unfortunately not able to capitalize and get knocked out with all three aboard, not able to make anything happen. Brian Klein goes 0 for 12 on the weekend, steps in, in and at bat in the 10th inning as it's been tied up 2-2 all the way through. Drew Baker led off with a base knock to left field. I think Drew Baker might be solidifying himself as your leadoff man. He was on base every at-bat Sunday against the Houston Cougars. He had the leadoff home run. He worked back-to-back-to-back walks in the 3rd, 6th, and 7th, and then the base knock in the 10th to get aboard. Jace Young flew out to third base. Cole Stilwell had a strikeout. In the middle of Braxton Fulford's 
at bat, Fulford had come in in place of Nate Rombach, who was struggling as a backstop behind the dish. Baker steals second, and so they just put Fulford on. I think it was a 3-1 count. They just intentionally walk him because it no longer matters because you have the winning run in scoring position. Brian Klein, who's gone over all weekend, makes sense to try to get to him and potentially get a strikeout or a flyout or a groundout. And then all of a sudden, Brian Klein, RBI first pitch, base knock to right field for the walk-off win. It scores Drew Baker, the team goes wild, and it was a fantastic and fun way to end a series that started a little bit disappointing and frustrating. You know, that that 18 team, they won, what, 14, 15 games in a row, and this team, as talented as any Texas Tech has ever had, and you feel like, man, let's reel off and see how far they can go, and then you get your first loss on the second Friday of the season. But looking really nice on Sunday. Some struggles, of course. They were facing Jared Pettit, the son of Andy Pettit. Uh, if you recall, Andy Pettit, good buddies with uh, with old Roger Clemens. They shared vitamins together, if you, if you remember that, baseball fans. Jared Pettit, he went five and a third innings pitch, three hits, two runs, both earned four walks and two Ks. And then he had a couple of relievers come in after him that actually did a pretty nice job as well and gave the Red Raiders fits. At the end of the day, though, if you're going to look across this weekend and give some awards, you got to give a pitching award to the entire bullpen. That bullpen came in across the weekend. They combined for 22 strikeouts, only three walks, and two runs. So across three games, all the innings that those bullpen guys pitched, 22 strikeouts, three walks, two runs. Unbelievable job by the bullpen. There's plenty of more depth in there that we didn't even see this weekend. Lots of power arms. I mean, you call Texas Tech wide receiver U in football. That's been the moniker before. I mean, you're going to talk about power arm U here at Texas Tech for baseball. Unbelievable what they were throwing this weekend. Not just raw power. There was a great mix of pitches, just steady diets of breaking stuff. Throw in a fastball here and there or go the other direction. Overpower them. High heat that they can't lay off of. I mean, really, really nice stuff. And some great sliders mixed in. Brostowski has just a filthy slider that he was bringing to the table. It was a nice weekend overall from the mound. If there was that silent Red Raider award through this weekend, that Gabe Holt award that you know, maybe a player that went a little bit under the radar but did big things. I'm going to give that one to Braxton Fulford. Now, Fulford only got the start on Friday and Saturday. He was your only multi-hit Red Raider on Friday night. He was one for three on Saturday night with an RBI sack fly as well. And then he came in in relief of Nate Rombach in the eighth as a defensive sub on Sunday night. Now, Rombach struggled at the plate this weekend a little bit. He also struggled behind the dish, was just really not having a good turn at being a backstop. He had several pass balls. There were quite a few balls that were ruled wild pitches that I would certainly argue were pass balls also. And at least as far as stat broadcast is concerned, he was pulled with two outs in the eighth inning in favor of Braxton Fulford because there were some pass balls or or wild pitches that moved runners around on Sunday night. So I think that 
Nate Rombach, who is obviously a talent, does have some growing to do defensively as a catcher. I don't know if this changes the depth chart at all. I don't know if you see a little more work from Bo Willis, but I do know that Braxton Fulford is definitely your number one defensive catcher, and his bat certainly justifies keeping him in the lineup as well. I'm glad he can get some rest, but you're definitely going to want to see Rombach, even as a freshman, step up and be able to take on that role a little bit more as he did struggle some on Sunday. And as far as your hitter of the weekend goes, I got to go with Drew Baker. And he didn't have an overwhelming number of hits, although he did have one on Saturday, two on Sunday, both very big ones, and had one on Friday as well. But it's the walks, it's the approach. It's just he's really taking on a leadoff mentality, and I think that's something very important for you to have. Gabe Holt is a big loss for this Red Raider team after two years, almost exclusively as your leadoff man. If Drew Baker's going to step into that role, that's going to be a really big asset to have there. Not only does he bring the speed, he's playing pretty well in the outfield right now as he learns that corner outfield spot in right, and he's done some nice things through this weekend so far. Looking forward to see more of him and seeing him grow. So we tell you, in the intro, we'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. Well, this is throwing Chad with Raider Red. This guy's a first ball, fastball hitter. He's looking for heat. Oh, yeah? So what? He ain't seen my heat. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Dad's father gave it to him. Babe Ruth signed that ball. Babe You may not look like a winning team, but you are one. So, play like one tonight. So Texas Tech, 2-1 and one on the weekend in the Round Rock Classic. It's the inaugural Round Rock Classic. Might as well address the obvious that Tech fans dealt with this weekend. If you paid to watch Flow Baseball, it was trash. Terrible job. Not good camera work. Bad angles, bad officiating. In fact, in the first game, you barely got to see the plate at all from the center field camera because you had an umpire standing in the way. Now, I understand that that's something you can't control, but you adjust and, and fix it uh, and, instead of us just dealing with it. I thought the announcing was subpar at best. I know that I'm being harsh. I'm just a guy that does a podcast and a little bit of high school sports on the radio, but it just wasn't up to the quality of me dropping 30 bucks to watch three games. And for those of you out there that maybe paid for a year subscription, I'm sorry. I mean, I just don't think it was a great product. Now, there's going to be a lot of college baseball on there, but I can get my college baseball fix at ESPN+. Plus. I'm going to be watching the Red Raiders and the Big 12, and that's where I can get the majority of that content. So sorry if you had to deal with the frustrations of Flow Baseball. I don't normally live tweet games, but I went ahead and did that for all three, and I appreciate all of you that interacted with me because I just wanted to provide as much service as I could if you didn't pay. And I, too, lost my stream in the Saturday night game. I was extremely frustrated for about 15 or 20 minutes before that came back. So I know some of you hardcore stats folks are out there saying, oh, talk more about these games. Tell us what went wrong. Well, when you really look across the three games, there was one huge number that I think sticks out to me. It's batting average with runners in scoring position. Texas Tech on Friday night batted 250 with runners in scoring position. That was to Tennessee's 125. Unfortunately, Tech hit a 222 with leadoff batters, so they were always finding themselves in a hole. And overall, Tech only hit a 194, 6 for 31 against Tennessee, where the Vols hit 286, 8 for 28 on Tech pitching. 
On Saturday against the Cardinal, you can flip that. Tech hit 333 on the day, 333 with two outs, 278 with runners on. Now 182 with runners in scoring position, two for 11, but Tech had some bigger knocks, so they didn't always have runners in scoring position when they were scoring. And the Cardinal hit 0 for, 0 for 6 with runners in scoring position, and Tech hit 500 in the leadoff on Saturday. So big difference there for the Red Raiders. And then in that Sunday game against Houston, Tech only hitting 229 on the day, but it out hit Houston's 176, 111 two out hitting on one for nine. Runners on only 188, but out hitting still Houston at at 077. They were three for 16 where the Red Raiders with runners on. Runners in scoring position was frustrating. 222, and that got better. It was at 125. That was two for nine. They were at one for eight before Brian Klein's hit. In leadoff, Tech hit 400. They did a nice job getting runners on early, but then not able to capitalize it, as I said, leaving them stranded. And in advancement opportunities, Tech hitting 254 for 16. So I think if you look at the weekend, situational hitting was what really was biting the Red Raiders. Pitching was pretty good, pretty consistent. As I said, the bullpen was outstanding. But when it came down to it, Tech just not able to capitalize when they had runners on base. I think the weather can be part of that. It's early season. These guys are also working out how they communicate. There's nothing more powerful than those batters and guys on deck coming back and forth talking about what they're seeing and consistently seeing these guys. You know, there's no surprise that a team like Tennessee and the SEC, a regional team last year, for them to have a great number two guy. And these guys have to continue to learn how to communicate and how to talk about. Also remember, second series of the season, just not a lot of scouting reports on guys. You know, as you start to get deeper, the stats and the information starts to get stronger and stronger and you got to start to see more tendencies. And so I think don't overreact to a single loss in the second weekend of the season. Don't overreact to what's going on. But Red Raiders are growing and not a team that you ever want to see peak now. You know, 18 a season that you did peak early. You reeled off that winning streak early on and then struggled down the stretch before you were able to finally put things together. Love to see that slow burn as you grow and grow and grow and just in that ongoing growth pattern to bounce into Omaha and really be ready to roll. So. As you look ahead for the Red Raiders, you got some big tests coming up. Now, the midweek is not one. Next weekend will be. As the Red Raiders will travel to Tallahassee, Florida, they'll face Florida Atlantic Friday at about 1 o'clock, and then they'll have a two-game stretch against Florida State. Now, this is not necessarily Florida State of College World Series, as Mike Martin retired after the Red Raiders defeated them and knocked them out of the series. But his son, Mike Martin Jr., has taken over the team. Still a boost for the Red Raiders. It's a Power 5 opponent with a ton of tradition. Not sure how they're going to pan out this year. I'll look ahead to that one in an episode later this week. Right now, I want to talk to you briefly about the Southern University Jaguars, who the Red Raiders will be hosting in a two-game here in the midweek. Southern is a team that's in the SWAC, that's the Southwestern Athletic Conference. They were 32-24 and 24 last season, 17-6 and six in their conference. They did make the postseason. They were a regional team that went to Starkville. Now, that's going to be a tough draw for anybody. They went into that one. They lost their first game to Mississippi State, 11-6. They were the four seed. Then they lost to Miami, 12-2, and were eliminated. But not a bad thing for a team like this to be in the postseason and to be battling as much as they can. So credit to them as a team that's there in the postseason. It's really tough for those mid majors sometimes. And speaking of that, I mentioned Miami. Miami getting swept 
by Florida this weekend. So Miami, who was number one in several other polls in addition to Texas Tech, getting swept by Florida. Looks like the fight in Kevin O'Sullivan's may be back this year and looking to, uh, to enact a little vengeance after a really bad showing last year. So Southern's coming to town on Tuesday and Wednesday. They have so far found themselves as two and four in the season. They won their first two and have lost four in a row. So looking for an opportunity on the road to get a marquee win, you can bet that Texas Tech will get their best shot. They went to the Andre Dawson Classic to open the season. They won 9-3 over New Orleans and 8-3 over Alcorn State. That one was actually on the MLB network. Then lost 2-5 to Alabama State, 5-7 to Grambling State. And then in their midweek last week, they lost 3-8 to LSU. That was at LSU. And then had a Sunday game against the Little Rock Trojans where they lost 4-7. So tough and a little bit of an odd schedule, but tough run on a four-game losing streak and now having to come to Texas Tech, who is, continues to be ranked number one in two of the six most recognized polls in college baseball, but really you can you can get somewhere to six to eight number one rankings across different polls and composites. Uh, and I do weekly update those and put them up at stakingtheplanes.com with a rankings roundup. So the Southern will come to Texas Tech. Not a lot to tell you about them yet, just like any other team, not a lot here early in the season. The stats on their website have not been updated yet since last season, and it's hard to know after they've only played a tournament and a couple of one-offs. It's hard to know who they'll be starting anyway at this point. But the Red Raiders at home, two-game stand. That's going to be Tuesday at 2 p.m. at Danlaw Field and then Wednesday at 1 p.m. Those will both be available at Texas Tech TV and on radio at the Texas Tech Sports Network. I would assume that you would have Jamie Lent and Mike Gustafson on the call for those as Jeff Haxton will still be with the basketball team who also plays on the road on Tuesday at Oklahoma. So I'll be traveling for work this week. I'll be in Austin most of the week doing my best to bring you whatever I can. I will not be able to live tweet games, uh, and that's not something that I'll be able to do very much of. Flow Sports kind of drove me into doing that for you this weekend, and I'm glad that I was able to. I want to say welcome. We've had a lot of new listeners come and find us over this last month and a half. Tons of new downloads have been coming in, and I picked up a lot of Twitter followers this weekend. I want to say welcome to all you folks as well. If you're not following me, it's at Dinger underscore Derby on Twitter, at Keith B. Patrick as well. And you can find me on Instagram at TTU underscore Dinger Derby. Working on some new things for you. I've got some koozies in the works, got some stickers, updating the logo just a little bit to include a tagline. Very excited about what's going on with Dinger Derby. It's been a lot of fun for me to bring you information and make it a little bit easier for you to follow Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. So we'll look towards the Red Raiders playing the Southern University Jaguars Tuesday and Wednesday at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park before they make the trip to Tallahassee for three games at Dick Hauser Stadium against Florida Atlantic and Florida State. I'll do my best to be back in your feed this week with a preview episode of the weekend series and a recap of the two midweek games. You can look for that hopefully on Thursday morning. Can't wait to talk to you again. Please always feel free to interact on social media, ask any questions you might have. Until I see you around the ballpark, stay good, have fun, and wreck them. 
Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone. There's just one kind of man that you can trust. That's a dead man or a gringo like me. Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me